Welcome to Full Body Frequency, the one-hour weekly show that celebrates everything full-bodied and fabulous. I'm Laura Rice, cultural curator, fashion designer, and your guide through the Full Body Frequency experience. This is the current through which we will explore the truths and explode the myths about the lives and loves of plus-size women. Since our lives shouldn't depend on how others see us, neither will this show. Full Body Frequency is the platform through which we will dialogue about moving through this world, fully engaged with passion and purpose. Our foundation, fashion, art, culture, beauty, health and wellness, travel and love. Each week we'll go behind the blogs with some of your favorite and soon to be favorite bloggers with the flow. Our global hotness segment brings you the world as we explore the international plus size adventures of women everywhere. We'll change frequencies and explore life's possibilities. Plus One is your takeaway for the week. And because we want to hear from you, send us some listener love on Facebook at Full Body Frequency or fullbodyfrequency at gmail.com. As we kick off this new year with resolution and revolution, we've got a fresh start in our genes. That's G-E-N-E-S and in our genes, J-E-A-N-S. Joining me in the flow this week is Dr. Linda Bacon, professor and internationally recognized researcher. We'll talk about why diets don't work and why the health at every size movement does. Our global hotness segment features plus size pioneer and exercise instructor Karen Tillman. She'll share Timbuk, one of the world's hottest workouts, and she'll give us tips for staying motivated and physically fierce in 2015. We'll change frequencies with Conchita Jamison of To Be Continued Jeans. This new plus-size apparel company has a jean collection that fits your body like nobody's business. No more gap in the back, slouch in the pouch, or muffin top stuffing. It's all about proportion. It's full body frequency. Visible, viable, voluptuous radio. Stay tuned. Like many men and women, Dr. Linda Bacon used to be preoccupied with her own weight. Bacon's pain and obsession about her weight fueled her determination to understand everything about weight regulation. Today, armed with graduate degrees in physiology, psychology, and exercise metabolism with a specialty in nutrition, she is a professor at the City College of San Francisco, serves as an associate nutritionist at the University of California, Davis, and is the author of Health at Every Size and the co-author of Body Respect, What Conventional Health Books Get Wrong, Leave Out, and Just Plain Fail to Understand About Weight. Dr. Bacon, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Laura. In your book, Body Respect, you name the myths tied to the stigma of fat or, or weight that really push people to diet. You list seven, but let's talk briefly about the first four. And the first one you say is fatness leads to decreased longevity. Right. I know. There's this idea that we see repeated in the newspapers and health magazines on a fairly regular basis that if you're heavier, you're going to die earlier. And so it was actually quite shocking to me when I went to look at the evidence to see whether or not that's true. And in fact, at this point, there's been about um, 40 to 45 epidemiologic studies that have looked at weight and longevity. And what we consistently find is that people in the overweight and obese category live at least as long, if not longer, than people that are in that category called normal weight and is advisable. In fact, in many of the studies, people in the overweight category are the people that are living the longest. 
So while I understand that this is quite hard to believe and surprising, given all of the media attention otherwise, that's what the data actually shows. And it was quite surprising to me, too, when the U.S. government was kind of confronted on this issue, because the U.S. government, of course, has been gathering a lot of data, the Center for Disease Control in particular. And they found the same idea that I've been promoting here. They found, when they looked at their results, that people in the overweight category in the United States, the largest study that was conducted here, are actually living longer than people in the normal weight category. But what's most surprising about that is that that hasn't changed their public health message, mm. that despite the fact that that's what the data is showing, they still keep discounting the evidence and um, telling us that obesity is killing us. And it's just not true. So what are some of the, the what is some of the rationale behind continuing to promote this myth that uh, that fatness plays a role in mortality? Huh. You know, I mean, I suppose nobody can um, give an answer as to the reason. Um, we can only guess. And my hit is that it's not about a conscious conspiracy, you know, that the U.S. government knows that they're wrong, but they want to screw everybody over. And I also don't think that it's a conscious conspiracy where the weight loss industry wants to just make money off of us, although I'm sure that that plays a role. I think that we've hit this point culturally where ideas about weight are just so deeply ingrained that nobody questions them anymore. And you can't look at the data with an open mind because it's just such a basic idea in our culture that fat is bad. And so um, every time there's something that contradicts that, it just gets dismissed. And, in fact, they've even got a name for it. Every time something doesn't fit the expected data, they call it the obesity paradox. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, we now have hundreds of papers that have been published in the scientific literature that are bemoaning that fat people aren't dying like they're supposed to. And, you know, but yet there's still the expectation that they will. So, again, you know, I would imagine that the answer to that is just that it's become such an assumption of our culture that we don't even recognize that it's an assumption we can challenge. It just, we look at everything through these tainted eyes of expecting fat is bad, and then that's what we see. Right. And I'll give you an example. I mean, so far you've only asked me about longevity. Right. But another issue is disease. And one thing that is certainly true is that there are a lot of diseases that are much more common among heavier people. And if you have this fat lens, you know, if you believe that fat is killing you, then you're going to see that association and you're going to automatically blame it on fat. And that's what we see on a regular basis in all of the reporting, is that when you see diabetes more commonly in people who are heavier, you say it's about the weight. But in fact, smart scientists can do a good job of controlling for weight and looking to see if there are other issues. And every time we do this, what we find is that there are other issues that explain the relationship between weight and health that are not about weight itself. What we see is that um, people who have harder lives, who um, are um, in a lower socioeconomic class and struggling financially, they're much more likely to um, have type 2 diabetes and they're more likely to be heavier than wealthier people. And if we start to look at the disease path, what we can see is that stress causes your body to store body fat, and stress also um, plays a role in type 2 diabetes. So in other words, it's the fact that people have hard lives that is really explaining the disease issue, and fat is just a red herring in all of this. And... But yet, scientists are so rooted in their assumption that fat is bad that they can't let go of the lens and just look at the data itself. Instead, they just, when they see the association, they automatically think that it's causal, and it's not. And you also say that exercise and dietary restrictions are effective weight loss techniques. Now, you say that that's a myth. 
Exactly, right. And again, again, I know that this is shocking to people because we have all of these health professionals in the U.S. government telling us that we're supposed to watch our weight and if only we diet and if only we exercise, we're going to lose weight and, you know, it's going to be effective. And despite the fact that many, many people are saying this, the data is just not supporting it. And you can look at the data in two different ways. One, you can look at the results. And what you find is that in the short-term data, it's true. People can lose weight. In. But when you look at anything that carries th studies out five years, ten years down the line, what you find is the vast majority of people regain the weight, regardless of whether they are still on their diets or exercise programs. So in other words, you know, there are many studies that have shown that people go on diets, they keep up their diets, like the Women's Health Initiative actually showed that people were able to maintain their diets for eight years. And what they found was in the beginning, they lost weight. But at the eight-year point, they had regained back to starting point, despite the fact that they were still doing the same diet. They were still eating about 350 calories less per day than when they started. So the, the data is certainly not showing maintained weight loss for the vast majority of people. And then the other way that we can look at that question is we can look at mechanisms in, inside the body. And what we see when we study what goes on inside somebody's body physiologically is that after you've lost weight and when you're below a weight that your body wants you to maintain, your body switches into all of these mechanisms to hold on to body fat tighter and to draw more body fat in so it has more protection in case you're going to diet again. So, so basically your we, body goes into starvation mode for survival. Exactly. Okay. So we know that there's a range of weight that, of, that we're genetically predisposed to that's right and appropriate for people. And some people are just destined to be heavier, and that's what's right and healthiest and most appropriate for them. And it's not about overeating. Now, we've just reviewed some myths about uh, behind fat, and so many of us recognize via uh, the practice of dieting that diets don't work. As a matter of fact, market data uh, states that the U.S. weight loss market actually declined by 1.8% to $60.5 billion in uh, 2013, and there was an expected decline in 2014, and we'll wait to see that data. And um, I'm imagining that there's clearly a correlation between the fact that diets don't work and the decline of diet industry revenues. I'm going to read a quote from from Body Respect, where you say people who are motivated to change behavior with the goal of weight loss really succeed, whereas those switching their focus, just like you mentioned, to health, gain a tuned living, and more often see results. So let's, let's now talk a little bit about health at every size and, and what it really means and, and the five steps that, that you write about in your book. So Health at every size is basically just about becoming attuned to yourself and showing respect for your body and making good choices to support it. And health at every size also takes the individual so um, um, seriously as a social being. In other words, it recognizes that a lot of the reasons we make the choices we do and that we have the outcomes we do are because of an outside social structure that sets us up. So, for example, um, this isn't a very just world, you know, and some people have harder lives. And those harder lives um, set up a stress response in our body that make us more vulnerable to getting sick and make it harder for us to recover. Um, it, it'll make us more vulnerable when we go out in the world so that if there's a cold virus around, we're more likely to get it. And the more we start to take our lives seriously and recognize that we can take away some of the self-blame, there's reasons we have the health we do, there's reasons why we make the choices that we do. And if we can start to unpick them and then try to figure out what it is we have the power to change, you know, we can't always change poverty. It may be that racism is so hard and, you know, we that it's going to be a lot harder for us to make it in the world financially, which is always going to set, up, set us up for stress and 
make it challenging for us to be able to afford good food and take the time to take good care of ourselves. So we can lessen up on the blame. It's not our fault we got into this position. And then we can try to figure out, but where is my power? Given how challenged my situation is, what kind of changes can I make within this context that are going to be helpful? Well, one Um, of the things that you talk about is accepting your body's weight, improving your body image. And you uh, give some tips for that. And one of which I think is absolutely fabulous. Well, actually, all of them are absolutely fabulous. But you say, think about how you treat your body. Then compare this to how you would treat a friend. That's really powerful when we start to do that, isn't it? It is. How mean we could be to ourselves, but yet how compassionate we can be with other people. And I think that that's a really great exercise is we can start from just feeling our compassion for other people you know, and just recognize, yeah, it's harder to live in a larger body in this world. People don't treat you as well, um, and that's real. You know, we have to take the conditions of our lives seriously. It's not our fault. Um, but that doesn't mean, I mean, I wouldn't tell an African-American person to bleach their skin to escape discrimination. What I would do is I would show compassion for the fact that, yeah, it's hard to live in a black body in a racist world. Um, but This is our identity, and, you know, our power is going to be in taking pride in whoever we are, whether it's about having a fatter body or whether it's having darker skin. So we can take good care. We can just acknowledge this is the body we're living in, and how do I just maximize it? So instead of putting off buying new clothes until we get thinner, we can just recognize, hey, this is the body I have. Let me, you know take good care and enjoy it and figure out how to dress it up in in a way that's going to make me feel good. And we can do that now. We don't have to wait till we're thinner. And I love the idea, as you mentioned, um, diversity. There's a diversity of race, diversity of ethnicity in this country, but there's also a diversity of body shapes and sizes. And I don't think that we acknowledge that, that not everybody's born to be a size six, that not everyone's born to be a size 20. And we have to um, celebrate the differences amongst us. So I'm glad you mentioned that, that piece about race. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Full Body Frequency. This is Laura Rice, and I'm speaking with Dr. Linda Bacon, a researcher, professor, and the author of Health at Every Size. The second thing you you, you talk about is eating mindfully and to appetite and find out what happens when you aim for mindful, pleasurable eating and shift regulation to your body. Right. That's a pretty amazing experience, and I know that... um, I've done a lot of research on this, and I remember in a research study where I started off with all of these women who had joined this research study because they'd been dieting all their lives, and they always looked at the fact that they liked the taste of food as kind of a bad thing and scary because it caused them to eat too much. And I remember one group, one of the things that I did was I brought in some chocolate truffles, And everybody got kind of scared because they felt like, you know, this is one of the foods that they always overeat because they love truffles. And I asked them to just, let's eat this mindfully. Let's just take a bite and, you know, let that bite dissolve in our mouths and notice all the sensations and how delicious it tastes and how much we appreciate it and just be attentive. And we did it really slowly. We took a bite and let it melt in our mouths and then a minute later took another bite and let it melt in our mouths. And we did this mindfully for for a while. And what people started to notice was that the first couple bites tasted amazing. But after that, their body wasn't getting as many feel-good signals. It still tasted good, but not as amazing. They weren't as attuned to all of the great flavors in it. And what we see is that this is our body just trying to take care of ourselves, that our taste buds tone down a little bit after our initial calorie needs are met. And the more we become attuned to eating food that we love and that we really appreciate, the more it actually keeps us eating lesser amounts. We don't go crazy on it. And so people found that they were actually much better able to enjoy chocolate truffles after they started mindful eating because they only ate the truffles when the truffles tasted maximally delicious to them. And so it was really easy for them to eat um, like 
mounts that were appropriate for their body as opposed to binging every time they ate chocolate. Mm. So once you take away the taboo and, you know, the idea that chocolate's a bad thing, and instead you start to appreciate chocolate, um, it's interesting that chocolate can then become manageable and fun as opposed to something scary. And you also say, and, and this speaks to the chocolate, though. You say tune into what you need and want, whether it be the chocolate or celery or a hug. So you're tuning into both your physical and emotional hunger needs. Exactly. This. And the one thing that I really want to stress to listeners is, and that you stress also, is this is a slow learning process. So you have to treat yourself kindly as you are going through this process. Right. So right. If, first, if at first you don't succeed, continue to try. With you that. always have opportunity, right? And it's not an all or nothing thing. And you get better at it. And what you find is that the more you do it, the more it just becomes your default. Now, the third step is get moving for all the best reasons. And the old model, as you've written, you say you, you have to work out for weight control. And the new model is you say move for the fun of it. It, it becomes play, pleasurable, not a chore. And so one of the, the, the things that I love most about this is um, you, you talk about the small ways that you can increment physical activity into your life. Um, and so including throwing away your TV's remote control. Right. Getting up and <laughs> changing that channel. But there are some other ones um, that you mention, and some of those are... You know, go out for walks and enjoy nature. Have a little bit more sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the opportunities are endless there for people just to discover things that just help them to feel good. You know, and it's amazing. It's like sometimes when I'm out for a walk and I just focus in on, isn't it amazing that I have legs that can take me from one place to another and I can get to, you know, see these different areas of nature, because, you know, or I can walk to a friend's house. And, you know, I can look at my legs with so much admiration for their strength and what they can do for me, which is a very different attitude from looking at your legs as they're too fat. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And the more you can just kind of appreciate the functionality of your body and just take advantage of it, it's a whole new attitude towards just being in your body, and it will help you to just move a little bit more. And you say that uh, as you move and incorporate movement into your life, you release more endorphins, feel-good chemicals that will help pick up your mood, moving you to help control your blood sugar. You know, you also improve a lot of other hormones, like um, you improve your sensitivity to this hormone called serotonin, Mm -hmm. which is just going to help you to feel more relaxed and stable throughout the day. Um, it's just amazing all the physiologic changes that can happen. So even if you don't feel the strong endorphin response, you know, some people get that runner's high, but not everybody does. Um, but there are a lot of subtle changes that are happening in your body that are just going to contribute to a sense of well-being. And then step four is use your mind-body knowledge of nutrition. I know. Everybody's got this idea of what you're supposed to eat, and that gets in the way of enjoyment. So what I'm going to suggest to people is don't eat your fiber because you've been told by your nutritionist that fiber is a good thing. Instead, try to make some connections about how fiber makes you feel. And what people are going to notice is that when they have a low-fiber diet, like let's say they eat sugar all the time, they're probably going to notice things like they're constipated, they don't have consistent energy throughout the day. But What we know from science is that one of the things that fiber does is it helps to contribute to energy stability, and it helps also to have more comfortable bowel movements. And so when you have a higher fiber diet and you start to notice, oh, I just feel better in my body for doing this, then you want to eat higher fiber foods rather than just sugar because it feels better to you. So you make, so your knowledge of nutrition, um, is hooked into a body feel as opposed to an intellectual idea of what you're supposed to eat. And, and this, of course, is coming from a nutritionist, which is, which is absolutely wonderful. And then step five is, and the rest, build resilience and sleep well. We need downtime, you know, and we need to just 
take care of ourselves. And then you, you talk about a relationship between sleep deprivation and decreased release of hormones that may help regulate our metabolism and then also our sense of well-being. Right. You know, it's amazing what happens in your body when you sleep, how um, there are certain functions that turn off and um, there are other functions that can only restore when they're turned, when some things are turned off. And so there's a lot of repair and restoration that happens when you sleep that just isn't possible if you're not sleeping long enough and well. So do take the time for that. So my basic rule of thumb for people is to drop the weight focus. Mm -hmm. Instead, just pay attention to your body and see what happens. Let your body take care of you and do what's best for you. And that you just don't have the kind of control to manipulate things to the degree that many of us like to believe we do. Thank you so much for your work and for joining us on Full Body Frequency. For more information on Dr. Linda Bacon's work and her books, including Health at Every Size, please visit the Full Body Frequency Facebook page. Stay tuned. Full Body Frequency is back with Global Hotness featuring plus-size exercise instructor Karen Tillman and Tim Buck. Can you see this? And this? And this? But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. I didn't know it could do that! Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. We are back and you're tuned into Full Body Frequency, where we are getting a fresh start with our G-E-N-E-S genes in our J-E-A-N-S genes. Joining us now is Karen Tillman, the president and CEO of Large and Loving It, an organization dedicated at its inception to the empowering of big, beautiful women to incorporate self-esteem, fashion, beauty, and wellness into their lives. In 1996, Tillman successfully produced and presented Large and Loving It's Women of Size Take Pride Expo, Chicago's first expo for plus-size women. 
Today, the new Large and Loving It partners with gym shy and sometimes out of shape full figure women to help us achieve personal fitness goals through the incorporation of health, wellness, and regular exercise. And while Tillman isn't eschewing being full-figured and fabulous, she still is. She urges us to take charge of our health and become full-figured, fabulous, and fit. Karen, I can't think of a better way to activate your personal full-body frequency than with physical activity. Now, what are your top five tips to get plus-size women on the road to fitness? I would start off slow. I would do, like, some exercises at home. Go on YouTube and see what's out there, the simple exercises that you can do, push-ups, wall sets, uh, um, just different things that you can do at home. Mm -hmm. And if you get comfortable with that, then I would say look for something that you really like doing. If you like dancing, find a classes out there, uh, line dancing, Zumba, Timba. There's so much that you can do. Mm -hmm. And then once you try that, I would say stick to a routine and change it every six weeks to keep it interesting. Ah. Ah, that's a good tip. Yeah. So not only are you a certified Zumba and Timba constructor, you are a plus-size woman who likes to get it in on a regular basis. And no, I, I'm actually referring to exercise. Right. That said, one of the hottest exercise exercises in the world is Timbuk. For those not yet familiar, what is Timbuk? Timbuk is an African dance movement. Uh, it's just African dances uh, based out of... Uh, Ghana, Nigeria, just different movements that engages the body, different muscles uh, throughout the body. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really great if you have live African drummers. Ah, okay. So Timek was introduced to Chicago last year. That's when I got my certification. Are there Timba classes for beginning, intermediate, and advanced learners, or does everyone learn together but at his or her own pace? Exactly. Uh, everyone learns together, but you can take it a notch over. Mm -hmm. uh, someone might want to do more jumping. Mm -hmm. I'm a bouncer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> some people do a little more steps. They step up, step down. I bounce, and some people actually jump. So between those three levels, mm -hmm. that increases the heart rate. That takes it from beginning to intermediate, but everyone learns together. That's wonderful. Great cardio to start Very off. Very good cardio. And you can be, like, really, really tired, but once those drums start, girl, you can't stop. You can't. <laughs> you have to keep going. That's great. Yeah. So what, what is the investment in Timbuk in terms of do you have to buy special clothing? Do you, are you dancing barefoot? Do you have gym shoes on? I mean, um, some people do it barefoot. Mm -hmm. When I took the uh, certification class, I had gym shoes on. Some people were dressed in uh, African dance clothes. So if you want to do your uh, regular gym clothes with gym shoes, you can do that. But if you take a class somewhere else, you may be barefoot, whatever is comfortable for you. Wonderful. And you don't have to do a lot of investment, you know, although you know you should change your gym shoes like every six to nine months. Wow. Okay. Based on how, how much workout you use and uh, you use on the gym shoes. Pretty much time to throw mine out. Yeah. Right <laughs> <laughs> so it's a new year and most of us are full of wellness resolutions. We've taken five to ten exercise classes. We're feeling great. We're sleeping better, et cetera. And then the distractions of life come, work, family, and social commitments. And as quickly as some of us begin new fitness routines, we end them. So what are some of the tips for staying motivated and active all year long? Uh, like I said before, change it every six weeks. Keep it interesting. Uh, you might do uh, line dancing for six weeks, and then that builds you up. Then you want to switch to Zumba, then switch to Timba. You, uh, you might want to join a gym because the gym offers great classes. So that's really interesting, too. So your, but your suggestion is to join the gym after you've experienced yes. working out at home? because you see people all the time, and I hate to say it, the people who join the first of the year, uh, the gym is going to be in, empty by the end of February because wow. people go and they like, I'm going to do it. This is my New Year's resolution. I'm going to drop uh, 100 pounds, 30 pounds within six weeks, and it doesn't happen that fast. You don't lose weight as fast as you gain it, and they get discouraged. So I would say try little things at home first, uh, six weeks at a time, and then once you get really going, then join the gym. I joined the gym two years ago because I had to get up at 4 in the morning to take my son to work Wow! every morning, at least four days a week. So while I'm up, there's no need for me to go back to sleep once I go home, and I was right down the street from the gym. So I started going to the gym. 
And since I joined the gym like a year and a half ago, I go to the gym now, and this is the first time ever, that I go to the gym at least four or five days a week. Wow. That's commitment. That's That's commitment. We're talking with Karen Tillman of Large and Loving It, an organization that partners with plus-size women to help us achieve our fitness goals. Now, your commitment to wellness, or plus-size and physical, um, really impacted your commitment to bringing other plus-size women or full-figured women into lives of fitness, which doesn't necessarily preclude or include weight loss. But you're moving us to become healthy at every size. So just talk a bit about your journey. Well, uh, like I said, uh, I've been plus size for, it seems like, forever. Because when I was a 13 and I was um, 20, I was considered plus size. Um, And now, as I've gotten older, I've slowed down, of course. And now I'm on medication, high blood pressure medication. Some people become diabetic, and it's all because of lack of movement. And as I turn, I've just turned 53. Wow. And I want to be around for at least another couple of years and very active to see some grandkids because I'm not in a hurry to get those either. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you have to do things to cut the medication. I don't want to pop pills for the next 30 years. Right. So to do that and to prevent from being diabetic, I have to move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it's easier for me to get out there and walk t- twice a day in the morning, afternoon, I'm going to do it. So hopefully when I go to the doctor next month, she will say, you're good, take you off the medication. But she lowers it as I go. So for you, is it about the activity that brings about the health as opposed Mm -hmm. to necessarily dieting? I don't do diets. Okay. Because I I don't try to, it's certain things I like doing. I, I have to have my golden Oreos. Okay. Now, <laughs> I can't let them go. Now, am I going to sit there and eat a pack at one sitting? No, I'll get them and I'll spread them out, have a two a day, three or something like that. But if you're staying active and you watch what you eat, don't go on this big diet like what they used to do, the cabbage soup, diet. Yeah, the cabbage soup uh, diet. I can't, I can't do it. I have to have my meat. Mm-hmm. I got to have a chicken. I have to have a steak every now and then. I have to have my golden Oreo. And, yes, I have to have a glass of wine or so. Okay. So I don't do diets. I just watch what I eat and make healthier choices. So now I eat more fruit, and I eat a lot of vegetables. So when I eat, I like my plate to be very colorful. Mm, so okay. I'm doing the carrots and the uh, broccoli, either cooked or raw. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't matter. I eat a lot of salads. I make it interesting and pretty. Oh, I like great. the colors now. So think colors. Think colors. Think okay. colors. So what about the impact on the women that you've worked with? I know that you've done a fitness expo, which was wonderful, and you had everybody there doing Zumba, Timbuk, Bukwa, line dancing, belly dancing. I mean, it was just a wonderful explosion of of uh, physicality for plus-size women. And, you know, I did that so women can try everything to see what it was that they really liked. So I did have the guy come in and do strength training. Mm-hmm. Some women might like strength training. I like strength training. Uh, I did the belly dance, and some people, like I said, people like to dance. So if they came out and they tried a little of everything, then they say, okay, well, I like belly dancing. I'm going to find belly dancing close to my house. So that kept it interesting. And I like the fact that I had ages as young as 25 to like 60 because everyone needs to work out and I think women who know me they look at me because they see I have so much energy. So you've mentioned on uh, social media that you've begun drinking a gallon of water a day. How does this figure into your self-care routine and what are some of the benefits that you've experienced? Well you know it's always been difficult for me to drink water So recently, because I'm working out now, I've been drinking more water, and I noticed that since I've been doing a gallon a day, I started probably Friday, that it seems to have cut my appetite. Mm -hmm. I have to make sure I eat and healthy choices and just keep it interesting with the water. Sometimes I may have cucumbers in it. One day I may have lemons and cucumbers. I may have watermelon. So what I do first thing in the morning when I go to work I have my one-gallon jug, I fill it with a bunch of ice, put the water in, then I cut up my cucumbers and my my lemons, and I sit it on my desk, and I just drink from that because I work a 10-hour day. Ah. And I just drink from that all day. So then by the time I go to the gym and work out, I'm going to drink some more water, 
and I'm done drinking by 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Okay. And then I'm okay. Then you're okay through the So, night. you know, you don't think about it once you just keep drinking, keep drinking. It cuts all the coffee. It cuts all the uh, soda that you drink, mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. And it's so much better for your system to cleanse those kidneys out. Mm-hmm. So you're sweating and you're detoxing by sweating and mm-hmm. then you're detoxing by drinking water. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. So, Karen, let me ask you this, this last question. How do you stay calm when you can't find a parking space at the gym during the month of January <laughs> to all the new members? Oh, my goodness. I went to the gym Saturday. So I wanted to run errands. So I said, well, I, first of all, let me say, everywhere I go, which is bad, I wear gym clothes. That is unless I have some places special to go. I have gym clothes on all the time. So I left the house. I said, well, let me go to the gym. I'll go to the gym, can't find a parking spot. I'm like, okay, let me go run my errands. Grocery store, because you can leave the groceries in the trunk, because it's cold out. Three hours later, I come back, the gym is still packed. Okay, so now I'm upset. So now what do I do? Good thing I have videos at home, DVDs at home. I have uh, Tim Buck. <laughs> I have belly dancing. I have insanity. I'll go home and do something for like 30 minutes. But when I'm at the gym, I'm at the gym for an hour, hour and a half. So the peak hours are usually from, um, I would say, 7 to 9 in the morning and, of course, 4.30 to 8.30 in the evening. Don't go during those times. (laughs) There you have it. (laughs) Karen, thank you so much for joining us. To learn more about Large and Loving It, Tim Buck or Karen Tillman, just take a visit to the Full Body Frequency Facebook page. We'll be right back. is the founder and president of an exciting new plus-size clothing company whose fabulous jean collection is a combination of fashion-forward and custom fit. Her journey towards 2B continued jeans began at Chicago's International Academy of Design Technology. Frustrated by the inability to find jeans that fit her curves perfectly, a story familiar to many of us, she did what many of us only dream of. She created her own clothing line with her own custom fit and sizing system for plus-size jeans. Conchita Jameson, welcome. Thank you, Laura. So let's get into this. Now, you and I have talked off air about the competition in the market, all of the financial and time capital it takes to launch, sustain, and grow a brand. And we see that Eloquy, uh, rising from the ashes like a phoenix, has just received a $6 million infusion of cash from an investment bank. So beyond your personal need for jeans that fit, what inspired your market entry in 2011, and what motivates you to continue? Well, besides that fact, because that's really a main, main factor for me, simply my love for fashion, Laura. That is it. The lack of options offered uh, to us as a plus-size community and the lack of options offered to even my daughter. Um, and I realized that, and I started this journey, and I'm like, okay, there has got to be something better than what we're being offered. So... Therein lies the journey of To Be Continued. On your website, you proclaim you're not just a shape, you're a proportion. And now we've seen, are seeing shapes used to distinguish fit, provide or suggest better fit by a number of plus-size apparel companies and products. And why does To Be Continued focus on proportion? And what are your categories of fit and sizing? Okay. So great question. So 
what we believe at To Be Continued is you're not just a body type, you're a proportion. And that means, simply put, that when you look at yourself in the mirror, you don't see a number. You see a proportion. And so that to that end, um, we wanted to build something and create something that you would look good and feel good in. So what we did was we took um, the lower part of the body and we looked at the hips, we looked at the waist, we looked at the thighs, the calves, and also the length, because that's a lot of area where a lot of women have challenges, taller women have challenges in that. And so for us to correct that, we made it like a symmetrically balanced proportion system. And so that's where To Be Continued came from, because I wanted it all to fall in line, because when you're proportionately fit, then your jeans and your clothes just feel better, and they look better. So now you've got... A Janelle, you've got an Ebony, you've got... So we have the Valerie, we have the Janelle, we have the Ebony, we have the Megan, and then we're introducing our line, our newest one, which is the Tristan. Okay. And so with all of those, the Valerie represents the hourglass and the pear shape. Mm-hmm. The Janelle represents um, what we call, at To Be Continued, is the curvy um, figure. Mm-hmm. And then the Ebony represents the straight width out of twist. Okay. So that's with out a little booty bump. Okay. If you will. Okay. And then we also have the Megan which represents the straight with a twist. That's with a little booty. And then we have the Tristan um which is our newest one and our Tristan represents really the woman who is like an oval or a diamond shape. Mm. And so because of that we have so many women who are in that segment of the market and they want jeans just like everybody else that fit and look good when they put them on. And so that's what all of the body types represent. So, well, in, in addition to jeans with a custom fit, because, okay, so you've got, you go with your proportion, which you've just listed. There are five of them. And then you go and look for your size. Now, your sizing is non-traditional in terms of plus size. It's 1 through 12 versus 12W or a 14W through a 32. So explain that and the reason behind that. So correct. So what we've done um, at To Be Continued is we decided to do vanity sizing because I would much rather go into a store and be a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 um, rather than being a number that we have been inundated with because that's all that's been offered to us. And so because we're proportions, I felt like a proportion doesn't represent a number. So because of that, I created that vanity sizing chart so that you could go in and you could look at yourself as that body type and proportion as opposed to a number. Mm, okay. So in addition to custom fit, what is the brand bringing to the marketplace in terms of style options? So with To Be Continued, we have different styles. Like we have the skinny jean. We have the boyfriend cut. We have um, the flare leg. We have the bootleg. We have everything um, trendy. We have the fashion forward. Just like, you know, you see the jeans that have all of the rips and have all of the distressing. And we have all of that at To Be Continued. Because as curvy girls, we want that look just like everyone else. But the options that are offered to us, either they sag here or they do something. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some great makers in the industry, but they just haven't solved the problem. And and to be continued, that's what we've strived to do. Absolutely. I've seen the genes. You all have solved the problem. I I will say this. So now, currently, to be continued is available for in-person customer experiences at Blair Chic Boutique in Chicago and via home jean parties, a la Tupperware and Stella and Dot, where you personally go with product and fit customers and sell your inventory. And this is absolutely fabulous. You also have an online store, which, given your fit system, I have much, much more confidence in purchasing your jeans online than I do with other companies. Because, you know, I like to go, we all like to go and try on jeans. Unfortunately, in the um, full-figured apparel or plus-size apparel industry, a lot of the stores, whether they're low-end or high-end, relegate plus-size customers to shopping online. So, again, I enjoy the entire in-store shopping experience from touching the fabric to looking at the garment construction to trying on pieces for fit and the visual appeal. So what are you doing to bring To Be Continued directly to women across the country in order to both grow your brand's presence and your company's revenue? So like you, Laura, I too enjoy the in-store shopping experience. And so to that end, To Be Continued is looking to expand into um, six to ten more boutiques throughout the Midwest, not just within the city. We are also actually traveling to Arizona in a couple of weeks to partner with a couple of boutiques there, as well as we would love to, within the next year, diversify into some of the high-end retailers 
and even create a line for even brands like the H&M's or the Target's because there are still people who are in the plus-size community that can't necessarily afford to go to the high-end retailers. So that's what we're doing and um, head into different places and just having brand ambassadors. That's something that's really key for to be continued, to have a brand ambassador so that they know the heartbeat of the, the brand and they love the product. Because they love the product, they can be an ambassador for the product as well as creating the awareness for to be continued. Oh, wonderful. So if I'm interested in being a brand ambassador, what do I do? So you would just reach out to us on the website. And um, generally what our brand ambassadors do is they host the party. So we kind of start on that level. And then we just give them all of the tools to be successful as a brand ambassador. So you would just kind of reach out to us on the website and say, hey, listen, I'm interested in To Be Continued. Um, what could I do to be a brand ambassador? And then that's kind of how it's created from there. Wonderful. Well, Conchita Jamison, thank you so much. And I am so looking forward to rocking my To Be Continued custom fit jeans. Thank you so much, Laura, for having us on. Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass. Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that For more information on To Be Continued Jeans or anything you've heard on today's show, stop by the Full Body Frequency Facebook page. As we embark on this new year full of renewal and rebirth, I encourage you to explore the possibility of health at every size, which encourages accepting and respecting the natural diversity of body sizes and shapes, eating in a flexible manner that values pleasure and honors your internal cues, finding the joy in moving your body and becoming more physically vital. Visit our Facebook page where you'll find a link to Health at Every Size and take the Health at Every Size pledge. That's this week's Plus One. Until next time, tune into your own full body frequency where large is luscious living. <laughs>